I love Christmas. I love the fact that God loved us so much that He gave us His Son. And I want you to join me today. The theme for today has been the King of Christmas. And Jesus truly is the King of Christmas. Amen? I want you to join me again at the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. The Christmas story is found in Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and also in Luke chapter 1 and 2. But today I want to look at Matthew's rendition once again. We looked last week and we noted uh, King Herod. And I want us to look at verse 2 again. We'll start with verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. In these two verses, we have the kings of Christmas. We have Herod the king who we studied last week. Herod was a brutal man. He was a man that was influenced by a spirit in this world, and it was an anti-Christ spirit. He wanted to destroy the Christ child. He was very concerned about someone taking his kingdom. In fact, he had two of his wives murdered and three of his sons murdered because he didn't want them to possibly take his throne. Herod is, is someone who isn't a make-believe character. He is someone that we have historical documentation on. And Jesus came in the time of Herod. And what that speaks to us is the fact that in those dark times, in the times that may be brutal, in the times that, that uh, come against us with all the weight of this world, Jesus came into the world. And he is still the hope in the midst of all of our dark times. Amen? He is still the hope that we have for this Christmas and, this, and for this year. I heard just on the radio yesterday all the, the talk that's going on about the new COVID-19 mutation. And oh no, we're going to lock the cities down and lock all, all the, the states down again. And we're going to have to do this and have to do that. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm really sick of the whole COVID thing. And I know that, it, don't get me wrong, I know that it's real. I know that there, have, there are people that we have lost because of it. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. And we are not going to live in fear. Just like Jesus came in the midst of a time when Herod was just just totally coming against anything of God. He wanted his kingdom. And he had the, the uh, children from two years old and younger murdered because he was worried. I don't know of anything that would be much worse than that as a parent. But I want to assure you today, Jesus is still on the throne and he's still in control. No matter what we face in this new year. Amen? There are also the three kings commonly referred to. They weren't really kings. They were wise men or magi, but they were counselors to the kings. And we see them here in this first couple of verses as well. And what we see in their lives 
is that they were on a mission to worship. They knew that this child was more than just another child that would be born to be a king. And we see later in the chapter, I'm not going to read the whole chapter for time's sake, but I want you to look with me. In verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. I pray that this Christmas is filled with exceedingly great joy for all of us. The joy of knowing that Christ is on the throne, that he's in control. Verse 11 says, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child. Now, I want, to, I want you to think about that. The word or the phrase, young child. With Mary, his mother, and then listen to this, and fell down and worshipped him. In the original language, the, what we translate fell down, guess what? It means they fell down. They fell down. They did, it doesn't say that they regally came and bowed down or put a knee down and respectfully bowed to the king. It says they fell down. Now why would they fall down? Because there's something about coming into the presence of the king of kings and the Lord of lords that you'll never be the same again. Amen? And my prayer is that this Christmas we come with hearts ready to worship our King and that His presence overwhelms each and every one of us. Amen? So we have King Herod and we have the three kings and the final king is Jesus. And He is the King of Christmas. And what I want us to note, I mentioned it a moment ago, the phrase, young child. A young child. Not now, but later on, I want you to read the Christmas story and I want you to note how many times the phrase young child is used. It's used nine times. Nine times. And when, when the Holy Spirit directs the men to write the Scripture and it says that the Scriptures God breathe, the Holy Spirit is in control, when He uses a phrase nine times, there's a reason for that. He could have very easily established in the beginning and used young child and then later after that just used child. But he continued nine times to use the phrase young child. And that's what I want us to grasp today. Now Jesus is going to return again someday. Is that what scripture says? Yes, amen. And when he returns, Revelation chapter 19 verse 16 says this, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. When Jesus returns, he's not coming as a babe in a manger. He's not going to be that young child. He is the ultimate king of all the universe. He's the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. But what I want us to notice today is that when he originally came, he came as a babe in a manger. And how does that affect us? What does that mean to us? He didn't have to come as a babe in the manger. God chose to do that. And there's reasons for that. And I want us today when we're through with this study to leave understanding the significance 
of why Jesus came as a babe in a manger. And how that affects each one of us. And there's a verse in Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 that speaks about this and how it relates to us. At the end of verse 27, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I think we've all heard that verse. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But what does that mean for us today? Well, first of all, I want us to think about two aspects of that verse. Hope and glory. What does that mean to us? Well, hope in, in the Bible isn't the same hope that we have just in our world. where we, we use the word all the time. Well, I hope that happens. Somebody asked me, Pastor Milch, are you going to go spend a couple of weeks in Hawaii to get away from all the cold weather this winter? My response would be, I hope so. But that hope so means it ain't going to happen unless somebody else pays my way. <laughs> so our hope in this world isn't the hope the Bible talks about. And that's what I want you to understand today. The hope in the Bible is different. The hope in the Bible is a steadfast assurance. We don't know the time that it's going to happen, but we know without a doubt it is going to happen. That's what the Bible means by hope. In the, in the beginning, the, the Israelites were looking for a Messiah to come. And they didn't know when the Messiah was going to come, but they had that hope that one day the Messiah would come. And it wasn't a hope like I'm hoping I go to Hawaii. It was a hope that I know that God is going to send the Messiah one day and they were anticipating it. And they had that assurance, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. And we have that hope in the second advent of Christ. It's commonly referred to the blessed hope. And that's when Christ is going to return to this world. Amen. We don't know when it's going to happen. Some people ask me all the time, Pastor, do you think we're living in the last days? Yes, I know we're living in the last days. Everything from Pentecost on is, is, is biblically called the last days. We're living in the last days. John even refers to it as the last hour. Do you think Jesus could return in our lifetime? Yes, I do. I don't know when that Jesus is going to return, but church, I guarantee you, just as he came as a babe in the manger, one day Jesus is going to return for his own. Amen? So our hope is different. It's not the same as the, the hope in the world. And the second thing is, what does God mean here by glory? When we think of glory, a lot of times in the, in the Bible account in Matthew it, or in Luke, it talks about the glory of God surrounding the shepherds. We think of a, the, just a, a visible, bright light in the presence of God. But I want you to think of glory in its most um, natural 
sense. What is the glory of an athlete? His ability to surpass everyone else, right? We, we, we watch the Olympics, and the one who wins the Olympic gold, that's their, their, their glory in a sense, right? They have been able to surpass all the others and have achieved what the others couldn't achieve. Well, when, when the Bible talks about Christ in us is the hope of glory, it's that aspect of God. That no matter what we face, no matter what circumstances we're, we're encountering, we have that assurance that the glory of God is in our midst. His presence is with us and nothing that we can face is going to overcome or stop God's redemptive plan for His children. Amen? Oh, two or three of you like that. It's Christmas. Come on, get excited. <laughs> I'm going to have to say that again. The glory of God in this aspect has to do with His presence and His power in your life that is not going to let anything or anyone hinder His redemptive purpose in your life from being fulfilled. We're almost there. That's awesome. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. How many times do we hear the lies of the enemy coming against us and saying, you're not going to be able to do what God wants you to do? Or the enemy comes in some way and attacks us. Maybe we're, we're having financial struggles or physical struggles. I had my uh, brother-in-law this week, I got, got a phone call from my sister and he he had COVID, but he had double pneumonia. And he's diabetic and he has other physical struggles. And they, they took him to the hospital, my sister said, and his oxygen level was down to 60%. He was dying. And so we, we, I told her we'd pray. I prayed with her on the phone. I immediately sent out a text to all of our intercessors and we prayed for him and we prayed for him. Well, I got a report last night from my sister. She said, you're not going to believe this, but the doctors are letting him go home today. And she said, the doctors are astounded. The nurses told her, when, he, when you brought him in, we didn't think he was going to live. And we don't know what turned it around. It wasn't what they did. He was in the ICU. He was, his oxygen, he was having a difficult time breathing, wasn't getting enough oxygen. But yet, when, when his people began to pray, when God's people began to pray and lift him up, that's what I'm talking about. Christ in us is the hope of glory. It's the hope, the steadfast assurance that our God is greater than whatever we face. And that God will see us through. That His redemptive plan will be fulfilled in us. Amen. How many of you ever felt like God can't use me? Most of us have felt that way at one time. I felt that way. This verse just shatters that. 
Because it's not about you, it's about your surrender to Jesus. Welcoming Him into your life to be your Lord and to be your Savior. And He comes into your life and you say, forgive me of all my sins. He cleanses us from all of our sins, all of our unrighteousness. And we're part of His family. And Christ in us is the hope, the steadfast assurance of His glory. His ability to surpass, overcome whatever obstacle we face. How many like that? Are you thankful for that today? Think about this. Nine times Jesus is called a young child. Nine times. Jesus didn't have to come to this world as a young child. He could have come back as a fully grown man with 10,000 angels surrounding him with the heavens lit up with the glory of God. He could have come back in power and demonstrated his glory. But he chose to come as a child. As a child. When Jesus was born, he wasn't in the nicest hospital in town. He was vulnerable. Everybody say vulnerable. He was vulnerable to the disease and the, where, the, where the animals were in the, in the manger. It wasn't cleansed. It wasn't sterile. And in this time of history, many times there were complications and children didn't even live. Or their mother. I'm thankful for our medical team today, the, the doctors and the nurses and the, all that God has allow us, allowed us to understand. I'm thankful for that. Jeez, when Jesus came, he didn't have that. He was also born, he came at a time when there was hostility from the ultimate uh, person in authority who was King Herod at the time. And King Herod said, I want all the children in Bethlehem, all the male children, to die. I want you to kill them so that he can't take my place. So Jesus came vulnerable. He was also vulnerable when the, to the sense that uh, they mocked him and they ridiculed him. It was a shadow over him all of his life. Oh, that's Mary's son. <laughs> I wonder who the dad is. So there was misunderstanding. There was mocking and ridiculing. We, we experience that sometimes as Christians. People don't understand a lot of times our faith and in Christ and what it means to us. And church, it's real. <laughs> and it makes a difference in your life. You're able to face those challenges knowing that God's purpose is still going to be fulfilled no matter how bad the circumstances look. Amen. Amen. I like that. Say it again. 
Amen. And I'm not going to go long today. But I want you to look at a, another verse in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. The Bible forecasts the coming of the Messiah. 700 years before Christ was born. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Did you hear that? The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God prophesied 700 years. You want to know what the difference about Christianity and all the other religions in the world? It's prophecy. God, 700 years before, says this is how the Messiah is going to come. This is how I'm sending my son. And he did. And what could be more difficult to accept than being born of a virgin? Oh, yeah. Try to explain that to your folks. Oh, yes. An angel appeared to me. The Holy Spirit came upon me. And he said I was going to have this child. That's exactly it. Oh yeah, sure. He was vulnerable in so many ways. And look at verse 13. I want you this is a powerful verse. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there till I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. I want us to see three things in this passage. God was, he was protecting the child. He was directing the child. And he was providing for the child. Those three things. He protected him. He warned him and says, you need to get out of town. So they fled to Egypt. When they went to Egypt, they were going to need provision. God had the wise men give them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I, I believe, it's not in the text, but I believe that they were overwhelmed with God's presence and I believe that they gave even more than what they intended to bring to the king. Because they gave enough to support them while they were in Egypt. So God not only protected them, he provided for them and also he tells them to go to Egypt. He was directing them. And later, God would direct them back to Nazareth. I don't know about you, but if my wife had a child and it wasn't mine, I wouldn't want to go back to Nazareth because everybody there knew it. He had a skill. He could have stayed in Bethlehem or gone someplace else. But no, it was God's directive. God directed him even though it was going to be difficult. And church, sometimes God directs us into difficult things in life, but he wants us simply to trust him because we know that Christ in us is the hope of glory. Amen. That, 
that God's intent, his plan for my life is going to be fulfilled as long as I come and just surrender everything I am to him. You like that? So when, when we see in this passage nine times the young child, it is a great message to us today. If the father was guiding and directing and providing for this young child, Christ in us, God will guide you, direct you, and provide for you as well. Do you believe that? Some of you need to receive that today. You need to take hold of that and say, oh yes, that's a, that's a word for me today. Amen? As long as we're surrendered to the Father and His will in our life, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I did that years ago in Texas, and God placed me in Alaska for the last 20 years. You know, when I was a little boy, I think I told you that my mom prayed for seven years that, that I would uh, be born. She, she was married seven years to my dad, and they were trying for kids, couldn't have kids. Finally, she was praying one night at the altar, and the Lord just spoke to her heart and said, you're going to have a son. And I told you, you're going to name him Milton. God named me. And I'm going to ask him why when I get there. I'm Milton. It couldn't have been Paul or John. But God had a plan. Amen? And my mother used to pray, Lord, I surrender him to you, but please don't let him go to Africa and be a missionary. Seriously, she wanted to see me once in a while. She knew if I went to Africa that she probably wouldn't get to see me. So God had a big laugh and he sent us to Alaska. But church, what I want you to see is when you surrender to God, he may take you places and guide you and direct you into things that you never thought you would be in the middle of or never thought you would go there. But if you're trusting Him and you're surrendered to Him, everything's going to be all right. He's going to provide for you. He's going to protect you. And He's going to direct your life. And that's the simple message that I want you to receive today. We look at the Christmas story and we see the Father just guiding and directing every aspect of it, protecting the child, providing for the child, and Christ in us is the hope of glory. Amen. Amen. I want you to stand with me. I want the worship team to come. The staff didn't think I could preach only 20 minutes. They're probably thinking, God still does miracles. But church, you don't need any more than that. that you can chew on that all week. And I want you to receive that today. I've accepted Christ. And if you haven't accepted Jesus today, 
I want to invite you to do that. Or maybe it's been a long time and many years ago you did say yes to Jesus, but you kind of went your own way and you're not living for Him now. Then today's a great day to rededicate your life to the Lord. I want to invite our prayer team to come. If the prayer team would come in the front and in the back of the auditorium. And I want to give you just a few minutes I want to give you just a few minutes, and they're going to lead us in another song, and we're going to worship the Lord. But if there's something in your life today, maybe you're in one of those circumstances where you feel like King Herod has put the word out that you're to be assassinated. Maybe you feel like you can't go on tomorrow because you don't have the provision. Or maybe you're just wondering, God, where is your direction? Are you really there? Are you directing my steps? Whatever your need is today, and especially again, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, will you find one of our prayer team members today? Will you come and just say yes to Jesus? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank You for the glorious Christmas story. Lord, I thank you for the vulnerability of the Christ child. Because Lord, I know that all of us are vulnerable in this life. Lord, if we're honest, we can probably think back to times when we could have been killed. Something could have taken our lives. But Lord, you were there and protected us. Lord, we can think back to times when we didn't have any provision. And Lord, you just miraculously brought that provision and met our need. And Lord, there's been times when all of us have wondered, Lord, is this really the direction that I'm to go? sometimes we feel like oh this couldn't be in God's plan for my life I'm sure that Mary and Joseph probably felt that way traveling 80 to 100 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem when Mary was about to give birth Lord it wasn't an easy trip But Lord, it was in your plan. So Lord, I just pray right now for your protection for us as your children. I pray for your direction. And Lord, I pray for your provision. And Lord, I pray that every one of us would just open our hearts to you and say, thank you, Lord. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Guide me, direct me, protect me, and provide. Lord, I come just like a child, trusting you, having faith in you. And Lord, we just ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.
team leads us in a song, will you come?